0: Good morning, everyone. It is the 19th of July. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Pella Strataki and Alex Byrne. Jay Powell, the chairman of the US Federal Reserve, has recently testified that tapering, or the reduction in the emergency bond buying program, is a ways off. He's suggesting that the US economy is still very much in a recovery phase. But nonetheless, the June inflation figure came in way ahead of market expectations. Could you talk us through these numbers, please, Alex?
1: Morning, Lorna. Again, we had another beat on the inflation numbers, as you mentioned. If we look at the CPI numbers, we had a beat of 5.4% versus market expectation of 4.9, which obviously is already very high. If we look at the underlying inflation indicators themselves, so core PCE, which is what the Fed looks at most closely, was at 3.4. And core CPI with various elements removed was at 3.8. These numbers are nearly the highest in two decades. And if you take them in the context that the Fed wanted to target a 2% inflation rate, you can see they're obviously very high versus that expectation.
0: They are. And how did those figures break down by sector of activity?
1: Some of these were temporary shortages, just given pandemic effects and supply chain issues because of the same reason, global restart and things not being quite in line as they should be in normal operating times. Some of it was down to the reopening of different countries in different travel lines and there were some intermittent price spikes because of that partly because of vehicle sales. So if we look at huge car prices, they were up 7% on May alone. That travel-related number, which I mentioned, is still around 12% down on the two years. So if we look at pre-pandemic levels and the trends on that, so there is potentially some ways to go on those travel prices and the travel inflation still. If we look at those early pandemic movers, energy continues to increase in price. Commodity has been volatile but is around about the same level that it was previously. But industrial metals are beginning a bit of a downtrend, but they still remain very much up around 150% since the pre-pandemic levels. So those early movers, those really specifically adjusted prices have begun to become a little bit more volatile and not all trending in the same way. With PC inflation, expectation now is potentially 3% into year end and then into the 2% by the end of next year. So as you can see we're somewhere above the Fed's expectation
0: we are, and still some quite clear drivers of those inflation numbers. You might think such a beat on these numbers would cause a jump in US Treasury bond yields, but that wasn't really the case.
2: Thank you, Lorna. It wasn't the case, no. The CPI report was released on Tuesday morning on the 13th of July. The yield of the US 10-year initially did nothing. It then moved higher in the afternoon, and that seems to have been on the back of a 30-year bond auction that saw weak demand rather than anything to do with the CPI print itself, but then the yield came straight back down after that, closing the week a touch below 1.3%, which is not what you'd expect. Inflation eats away at the fixed payments bonds. When it goes up, the price of bonds normally drops, so yields go up. But that's not what we're seeing right now. The 10-year yield ended the week lower than it had ended the week before. Essentially, what the bond market seems to be saying is that, however high the readings of the inflationary prints right now, the effect will be transitory, meaning that the rise in prices will not persist long enough to force the Fed's hand. The market is clearly deriving a good deal of comfort from the dovish comments from the Fed, which you alluded to earlier, Lorna.
0: Yes. And we're getting a distinct sense that while reflation is still going strong in the US, although possibly topping out, in China, that peak might already have passed. And I'm thinking of this second quarter GDP number, Alex, which fell short of expectations.
1: It did, but only slightly. So 7.9 versus an 8% expectation, but just given that we're still in recovery, you would expect that to still be high. If we look at some of the underlying reasons, though, it may be a short-term blip. So some of those key indicators which China on remain fairly solid and a few of those surprised the upside in June. So industrial production was at 8.3, manufacturing continued to pick up and retail sales was particularly strong at 12.1%. So some of those underlying factors that China relies on more so than other countries still remain solid. Some of the slowdown could be in part due to auto manufacturing, which has been impacted by the semiconductor shortages potentially, and some property investment continue to drive on the overall number. So there's some potential temporary factors. Other temporary factors may be due to the 100-year Chinese party celebrations that we had, which caused the slowdown and closure of some industries. So there might be some temporary blips there. One of the positive elements, though, is that we've still got those solid indicators, as I mentioned, but the PBOC continues to be supportive with rates and liquidity measures, and they've increased some of these slightly recently as well.
0: Yes, they have indeed. And if we stay with the Far East, but moving on to matters ESG, Teller, we had an interesting proposal from the Bank of Japan.
2: Indeed, the Bank of Japan will offer zero-interest loans to commercial banks that extend finance to climate change projects. In addition, these lenders will be able to reduce the deposits they hold at the central bank, which are subject to negative rates. This essentially amounts to a subsidy for commercial banks that invest in emission reduction projects and is likely to increase demand for eligible instruments, which include green bonds, sustainability-linked bonds, and transition finance. The central bank is not acting in isolation here. The Japanese government has a target of zero carbon emissions by 2050. And the central bank is expected to cooperate with the government's climate strategy.
0: Certainly a very positive step. This week, then, we have a European central bank meeting on Thursday, Alex.
1: We do. So we're expecting no change on the rates. What we will expect to change potentially is some of the rhetoric around what the bank says, given their new 2% inflation target or how concrete they want it to be. So, what I think they'll want to say is that they need to see a solid 2% inflation in the short term horizon, with the reiteration that inflation will be likely to overshoot for a short period of time. The one element that may surprise may be on the PPP, which is the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program. We're expecting that to change in September, but it could surprise this month. Potentially, they could give a little bit more indication as to what will cause that to end or the factors that they want to see. Be more confident to remove that or at least reduce it.
0: And then the flash PMI surveys are coming around again.
1: What we expect is broad based strength across most countries and most sectors and the trends that we've seen in services and manufacturing to continue as well. That is, the recovery in services will continue to drive the overall number higher, and manufacturing, although strong, will continue to plateau at a high level.
0: Thank you both very much indeed.
1: Thank you very much, Lorna.
0: Thank you,
2: Lorna.